Welcome back to Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm David Brown, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of The Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And I'm Rhonda Blevins, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. We're recording this episode on Tuesday, May the 24th. And today we welcome to Pastor Life Podcast our friend and Pinnacle Leadership Associate colleague, Reverend Dan Holloway. We're excited to have Dan with us. Dan is a uh, retired Presbyterian pastor who served for many years at Unity Presbyterian Church in Fort Mill, South Carolina. And as a part of that work, he pastored a church that really was many different churches as it grew over time and, and became a different character a uh, different sort of church. And so Dan has a lot of experience as a lead pastor. And uh, also while he was doing that as part of the committee on ministry, engaging other congregations in the area who were moving through different challenges. So when Dan came to Pinnacle in his retirement, he has become one of our primary consultants and has done a lot of work both with Presbyterian churches and others. So we're delighted to have Dan on the podcast today and to learn a little bit of something from him about church consulting and when pastors and churches might want to think about engaging a consultant. Does the name E.F. Hutton ring a bell to you, David? E.F. Hutton. I mean, I, <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember there was like a commercial when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens, or something like that? Should we replace that, that with, uh, with 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 Dan Dan Holloway when when Dan Holloway? Yeah, that's that's what I think of when I think of Dan. When Dan speaks, we all just kind of like hang on his every word because there's so much wisdom that just oozes from Dan. Give us more, Dan. Teach us, Sensei. You know, I think Dan is kind of like the E.F. Hutton of our pinnacle leadership. <laughs> Associates team. That's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about and look at Dan differently now that you've said that. <laughs> uh, but I do think you know we've moved through this season of teach us something we don't know, and we've learned so many great things on so many different topics, and it's really been a gift to me, and I think to you too, Rhonda, of of being able to engage with some of our friends and colleagues and team members. You know, as I mentioned earlier, we've asked each of them to teach us something we don't know. And and for Dan, I think it really is that uh, in, in our role as pastors and as churches, how is it that engaging a consultant might help in a given situation? And when do we know it's the right time? So I, I think this season has given us a lot of those very practical uh, wisdom uh, for uh, doing ministry. And I think Dan's comments today will, will be Uh, more of of, of that same sort of gift. Yeah, so let's welcome to the podcast, Reverend Dan Holloway. Good morning. What a joy to be with you. And thanks so much for the invitation to do a little thinking together about this whole thing we call consultation, which, uh, as I've been reminded over the years, that word has got different connotations for different people. And some find it, uh, you know, encouraging and some find it off-putting. And I hope that our conversation will allow it to be a little bit more welcoming language for us as we think together today. So thanks for the chance to do that. Yeah, well, thanks for joining us today. I I look forward to learning a little bit from you about church consulting. Um, Like David said, you are one of our primary consultants on our Pinnacle team and engaging with several churches even now. 
So I, before we get too deep into that, though, I wonder if there's anything you would like to add to the bio that David gave about you. Yeah, well, I just appreciated that very much. I think the other thing for me is that I have served churches ranging in size from 37 in the very earliest days up in uh, the coal fields of West Virginia to a church, as David suggested, that has gone through a major transition. We were about 375 in membership when I got there, and actually I couldn't find <laughs> that many people around um, and ended up being about 1,400 folks together when all was said and done. And so David is exactly right. We went through multiple transitions. And, and, the, and the truth of the matter is that's what really led me to get training and to learn more because what you discover very quickly is uh, leading pastor work in a church of 400 is very different from a church of 1,400. And you have to reinvent yourself many, many times along the way. And for me, that meant going back to get training and learning. And, you know, I think that the key to any good leader is to say, I have more to learn. So for me, that was just reality that was enforced by my context um, and led to what is now a really joyful time of working with other churches in what we call consulting. So just just thank you, David, for that, that mention. It's very helpful. Sure, sure. And I, do you feel like What's the balance for you as you look back over your uh, time in ministry and now the work that you're doing through Pinnacle? I know you did very intentional learning experiences, things that you engaged to to learn and grow. And then you, you just had a lot of experiences, both with your congregation and then engaging other congregations. How, how do you see both of those pieces kind of playing into what you bring to the table now? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I do think your number one teacher is experience. And so I would absolutely agree that all the congregations where I was privileged to serve were my teachers in many different ways. Um, and most especially, I would say at Unity in Fort Mill, where we really did have to reinvent ourselves over and over. We were engaged in building processes. We were engaged in folks who didn't agree with that decision. Um, we were engaged with uh, issues of, of the world that were certainly divisive for some folks. And, and all those things led me to say, if we're going to do ministry in these days, we've got to learn as we go along. So the, the, the context was clearly my, uh, my best teacher. Uh, but I also found it really, really important to get away from that place and to learn from other folks who were living the same challenges, but sometimes had experiences I had not had. Um, I've always felt like I'm always learning more than anybody else in the room. So, you know, I think as a combination, if I had to, you know, rank it at 70% local context and 30%, you know, getting outside your context and listening to other folks talk about what it's like in their world. Because sometimes I found that the easiest fixes were right at my fingertips. And yet in our context, it just hadn't quite crossed my radar. So uh, kind of that balance, I think, in my mind. Well, well, Dan, what led you into your work as a consultant? Uh, why, why did you choose this for your uh, your retirement years? And um, you, you know, wh why would you not just go sit by the beach? You know, sip a little cocktail. <laughs> why are you doing this? Well, there are days I still ask myself that very question. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I, I do think. Um, you know, when I reached the end of my ministry at Unity in Fort Mill, 
I kind of had that idea that I might just go sit by the pool and that kind of thing and realized pretty quickly that I still felt claimed by God for something else. Hmm. Um, and then the question was, what is what is that something else? And so I started kind of going back over my own pilgrimage. And my own pilgrimage, David hinted to this a little bit, was that I've done a lot of work with conflicted churches, hmm. wandered into way more church fights than I would ever like to have to count. And I frankly have seen the, the worst side of Christians. I mean, I can tell some absolute horror stories about churches that behave badly and pastors who made bad choices too. And, and how do you deal with all that? And, you know, after doing that over and over through the Committee on Ministry and other forums for many, many years, it began to dawn on me that we were reacting to this way after the fact, that a lot of this was really going to be more helpfully addressed by proactive adaptive work where we could be on the front end and come into places that were beginning to feel some tensions or beginning to feel some stresses, but hadn't gotten to that point yet of just total breakdown and, and total loss of communication. Frankly, when a church gets to that point, it's incredibly difficult to, mm. to pull it back. And so I decided that for the rest of my life, what I really wanted to do was to engage with folks who were saying, I'm feeling some stress or some tension or some something not quite right, uh, maybe some outside eyes here would be helpful, um, but to do it as much as possible in sort of a proactive way as opposed to, damn, we've got this huge church fight going on and please come save us from ourselves. I just find that that's typically not terribly effective. And I still do some of that and I can, again, share some stories, but, but I think what I'm more interested in is getting ahead of it uh, recognizing those early signs and things that maybe some outside eyes here could be helpful for us. Building off of that, Dan, it it seems like a great scenario that a pastor or other church leaders would see those early signs and would engage somebody that could give some perspective, uh, guide them in dealing with those things before they become outsized and out of control. Unfortunately, I, I feel like that probably doesn't always happen. So if if we've got pastors who are listening in today or other church leaders and uh, you you were going to encourage them to be paying attention for some things, what what are yeah. are there are there signs? Are there certain things they ought to be looking for uh, that might be the the canaries in the coal mine uh, that that something needs to some action needs to be taken now? as a preventative step or a proactive step? Yeah, no, I think that's a, a really good question. And I think it's probably the dominant question about whether or not a consultant is appropriate for you. So let me just uh, list a few things that I think are maybe the kind of things you're asking about that maybe it's time for us to think about this. You know, one of the things is if you as a church and if you as a leader feel like you're just sort of stuck. You know, it's not that things are terrible. It's not that your whole thing is falling apart around you by any means. And, you know, you're still gathering and you're still doing your stuff and you're still okay. But you have that sense that, uh, you know, we're just not really engaged with what we're doing. We're more going through the motions. I'm working with the church right now and just did some listening sessions with them. And the number one comment I got for them was, we feel like we're just going through the motions. We're just sort of 
like we're stuck in this same gear of over and over and over again, the same thing. Um, and sometimes I think a consultant can come in uh, and with careful listening and with careful attention to what's being done in the community of faith, begin to say, it looks like here are some of your blocking mechanisms and it looks like here are places that maybe you might want to engage. What do you all think? Uh, now, to be clear, we don't do that too. We've done lots of listening, lots and lots of listening, uh, because we certainly don't believe in one size fits all and certainly don't believe in, you know, we have all the answers. I believe the church has the answers. I believe that they contain the knowledge to make the changes, but sometimes they feel so stuck, just like they just can't get out of their own way. Um, and by the way, that, that's not totally unbiblical. That's been going on for a lot of years, but but it does happen to churches today as well. So I think, you know, just that sense of it just doesn't feel right is a good sign. I think sometimes when you face a new challenge, um, I think, you know, today for churches, especially those churches that have been around for 40, 50 or more years, it's awfully easy to see what's happening in church today and to feel like you don't quite understand what's going on. You know, when we used to say, of course, we'll talk about the church in our community because church had credibility and people talked about that, at least in our part of the country, you know, kind of freely and openly. And, and, and it was a very pleasant, comfortable conversation. But what does it mean to be church in a time when many folks don't even find church on their radar? when they find that what we have to proclaim and teach is frankly not all that important to them. When what we say is important on, you know, Sunday morning to do or whenever we do those things, it just feels like a very different challenge to them uh, than what they were used to dealing with, you know, two, three, five years. Um, and, and rather than just sort of snapping back to some previous way of doing church that felt much more comfortable, sometimes I think a consultant can help you imagine what if, Things are different now. What if we reacted differently to this? Um, what if we asked different questions about what it means to be church these days? Sometimes just that outside voice might allow us and encourage us to ask those questions in a new and, and different way. So uh, I think that's it. Uh, another one I think is sometimes you just need an outside perspective. Uh, you know, sometimes I think you, you've been looking at the same faces <laughs> and dealing with the same arguments in the same meetings for years and years and years, or at least it feels that way. And you realize that you're not making progress. You realize you're stuck. But, you know, you just start in a position where you can get that kind of moving. Um, and, and my experience, and this was true for me as well in my own ministry, there were various places along the way when I would invite folks in to say, you might think about this or try that. And so I think those outside eyes are very, very helpful. We did that with stewardship in our church. We used outside eyes to help us rethink stewardship. And I found that remarkably helpful. So um, again, I think if you just feel like I just need those outside eyes to see that can be very, very important. Another way of saying it, if there's this problem that just does not go away, you know, it just kind of, it appears and then it goes underground and that it appears and it goes underground. And after a while, it's like, haven't we had this argument <laughs> like 12 times before? You know, uh, that's when you uh, you say, we have got to do something, almost an intervention, if you will, to kind of shake us out of our lethargy here. And so I think in some ways, at their best, consultants do serve as interventionists to come in and kind of say, let's face the truth that things are not exactly what you want them to be. That's okay. 
You've already taken the first step toward healing and hope and health by acknowledging that you're trying to get to that place. Um, and so I think it's just kind of a sign of, uh, you know, we just got to have some outside help. And then the final thing, and this is just kind of all related to the, the above, I guess, but um, just feeling unmotivated, like I don't care anymore. I've lost my passion for this. And yet there are reasons why I want to stay here in this place. I've got family commitments. I've got friendships. Our children have school things. I mean, there are lots of reasons why a person might say, you know, we're not broken exactly. And yet I don't really feel motivated to really try to do much with this situation. Sometimes that outside voice can just challenge that enough to say, uh, well, let's take a shot at that and see if maybe you can, you know, get that energy back again. So, I mean, those are all kind of interrelated, I suppose, in some ways, but they're a little different emphases. Um, and those are all things that if the pastor begins to see those in his or her church, might well say, hmm, I'm wondering, and, uh, and begin having that conversation with the folks in the church that might help them to make that decision. It's a long answer to your question, David, but I think, <laughs> I think it really is the question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thinking about you know needing an outside perspective from time to time, I was recently talking with the church, and and we're we're kind of talking about whether I might come in and do some consulting work with them. The pastor happens to be a really fine leader and has skills in coaching and consulting himself, and so some of the parishioners were saying, "Well, you have those skills. Why don't you lead us through the process?" And I think he said wisely, "I need to be a part of the process instead of the facilitator of the process." And so I affirmed him for that. But um, what are some other considerations that uh, you might take into account when you're thinking about hiring a consultant um, other than, you know, needing that outside perspective? Right. I think uh, one of the most important things is to be sort of self-aware about what the issues really are. Um, You know, I think that there's different kinds of consulting. And I think that you need to be aware of what the particular issues are in your church. For example, again, one of the congregations that I'm working with right now invited me in, and the presentation question was, we need a new uh, vision statement for our church. We need a new sort of, uh, you know, looking forward piece for our church. Well, what I discovered after I got there was that was cover for the fact that we don't like our pastor at all, and Uh we really want you to help us get rid of him. Which is not which wow. is not what, what I do. It's not what I do, and so we're going to have actually have a conversation tonight. Interesting enough, this church and I about um, if that's what you really are after, then that's a denominational process that I'm not probably your best resource for. But if what you're interested in is a learning process where we might all learn together about what's best practice for pastors and leadership teams and for you know congregations then perhaps we have some good possibilities together. So I think one of the real things that an effective pastor needs to ask is, what really is the issue here? Um, I mean, we might hope it was something as as basic as strategic planning or something of that nature. But my experience is sometimes they need a little more digging around to say what's actually going on here. Likewise, sometimes they ask one thing, but what they're really looking for is team building, They've got some issues with staff or they've got some internal, you know, concerns and so forth. And because they're so close to those people and work with them day in and day out, 
what they're really asking for is consulting for team building rather than church building. Well, that's a perfectly appropriate you know, source of consulting uh, for consulting, but, but be sure that's what you're asking for and not simply asking for, we just need a consultant. We don't quite know why. I, I think it's helpful if you can do your own local work to say what is really happening here in our place. You know, sometimes it's staff development. I mean, I think that's kind of related to uh, team building, but sometimes you just have some folks who are not, you know, as strong as they need to be, or you're not in sync in terms of mission and who's kind of focused on the vision. And sometimes, honestly, it can be helpful to have somebody from outside come in and say, sounds like you're not all on the same page or you're not moving toward the same goals and how can we help that to happen? That can be an important piece of this as well. Um, and then, as I mentioned, obviously conflict management, conflict resolution, I would like to say, but that's not so much the case. It's more yeah. often management in my experience is a valid thing for, for consultant work as well. But as I've suggested already, I think while it can be useful, and I'm certainly doing some of it right now, um, it's, it's not my favorite thing to do just because it's really, really hard work. And honestly, some churches just don't want to do the work that's required. So I, I guess that's kind of an answer to the question, you know, Rhonda, uh, that you ask and David. Yeah, thank you for that. You mentioned how critical it is to diagnose the right problem and yep. kind of figure out what are we working on together. Uh, I wonder if you would talk a little bit about the early engagement that you might have with a church. Maybe that's with a pastor or a leadership team. Maybe that's some of the earliest conversations with a larger group of people at the church. Uh, you mentioned a lot of listening, a lot of asking questions. Maybe you would talk a little bit about what that initial engagement looks like. And and if there if there are some favorite questions that you have that help to uncover what's really beneath the surface, I'd be interested in hearing those as well. Sure. Now, that's another great question. So I think um, for me, the, the initial entry into a system is really, really important, um, which is why I insist pretty early on at least a Zoom meeting with the pastor and some key leaders where we will spend an hour to an hour and a half together um, engaging some of the very initial questions about what led you to call me. Um, tell me about your church these days. If you had to make the elevator speech to describe your church, what would that elevator speech be? Um, you know, what led you to this church? What excites you about this church? What concerns you about the church these days? Those are all the kinds of questions that I asked in that initial interview. And I'm very insistent whenever possible to make a physical visit to a place before we actually uh, sign a, an agreement, because I think part of uh, a good consultant's work is team building and trust building. And until I've actually seen their context and gotten to meet them face to face, although I'm very grateful for Zoom, for sure, uh, I just think we don't fully engage or gain trust until people can see us uh, sitting around the table with them, breaking bread with them, uh, getting to know them a little bit, and them getting to know us, obviously, as well. It runs both ways. And just building that sense of we are a team together working on this. The other thing that that early engagement really uh, is important to use for is to be clear that what a consultant's role is, is not to tell them what to do, but to help them find their own call from God, their own uh, sense of vision and purpose. We provide structure. We provide 
I hope, a safe place to have those conversations and assure them that there are not dumb questions and all of that, because this is, a, frankly, a very scary experience for churches to do this, to invite an outside person in and what does he or she really know about us and, and all of that. So, so the early part, David, as you've kind of already suggested, is just crucially important. Um, and, and if I was going to hire a consultant, you know, myself, that's always one of the first questions I would ask is, are they going to take the effort to actually find out about us, to understand us, to understand our context? Um, and if the person just kind of says, oh, yeah, we can do this all, you know, with, with five meetings and on Zoom, and I'll give you the answers at the end, that's a huge, huge red flag to me. Uh, I really want a process that is organic, that takes as much time as it takes, um, and where we actually build relationships. And one of the things that I'm most grateful for at this point in my journey is that I can call a number of folks with whom I've worked now friends, that we had the kind of relationship where we didn't always agree about everything, but we kind of did agree that we were looking toward the same goals, which was the health of the church, the health of the staff, the, the growth of the kingdom of God. And so I just think that entry point is just just incredibly, incredibly important. So would you walk me through the process? Like how much time do you spend with uh, the pastor or late or, you know, particular leaders before you would then submit like a written proposal? And then how long would your contracts typically run? So can you yeah. just kind of walk me through this uh, kind of logistics of the how the process works? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, typically the first call comes from the pastor, not always, but oftentimes it does. And so I'm always glad to receive that. Sometimes it comes from somebody in the church who's been authorized to make the phone call, but, but most often the pastor. And I'm glad about that because I want to talk to that pastor. He or she certainly has, you know, crucial impact on the process. And honestly, my experience is that there's not a deep trust between the consultant and the pastor where the pastor feels like, you know, you really get us, you really get me, you understand my context and my concerns and, and maybe my fears even. So I, I typically will spend a couple of hours on the front end talking with the pastor, maybe in two different conversations. We'll have an initial one and then I'll set up a follow-up conversation to make sure that, that I've heard and that, you know, we've been able to communicate well. Then I would ask for the follow-up conversation with a leadership group from the church that would include not just staff, but the, some of the key lay leaders. And I do all this before I send any kind of a written proposal, because while the pastor has told me certain things that he thinks or she thinks need to happen, the, the lay leadership team uh, or other staff may say, well, no, there's a little bit more to the story than just that. And so I try to make sure that I've done listening to both those groups before I even send a proposal. Once I've done that, and that typically takes, you know, two, three, four weeks to get that first step done, depends on how fast the church can move. Then I would send a formal proposal. I call it um, a covenant agreement. I don't really like the language of contract per se, because I want us to have enough flexibility that if we make changes or decide even to pull the plug on it, we're going to do that. What I'm interested in is not getting a signed contract, but building a relationship. And so I like to use the word of covenant throughout that. But I would send a covenant agreement that would have within it kind of a timeline proposal, uh, some costs associated with that, steps we would take to reach the goal that we were shooting for. 
and when a start date would be and that kind of thing. And if I was going to be the consultant, which I most normally would be in this scenario, just the fact that I'll be their consultant. I think it's typically about a six-month process, although I'm involved right now with three different churches that are year-long processes. Uh, so, you know, it can be anywhere. Uh, and I've been as, as short as three months. It just depended on the context and what their questions were. But most frequently, it's about a six-month process for me. Though, again, right now, I don't know exactly all the reasons why, but uh, there are three churches that are engaged in a 12-month process. They just can't get enough of you, Dan. Or I'm really slow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what would you want pastors to take away from our conversation today, Dan? Is, you know, they're looking around at the context that they're uh, involved in ministry in and the the people, the churches, the communities, they're emerging from this huge disruption that all of us have experienced in the pandemic, but maybe other disruptions as well. What would you want them to take away from our conversation? Uh, Is there a a message of hope? Is there a sense of urgency? Uh, What what would you hope that a pastor might listen to this and and take with them? Yeah, what a good question. I I think the first thing I'd want pastors to know today is they're doing remarkably good work in uncharted territory. I mean, I continue to be amazed at the ways that pastors have adapted and changed and tried to be faithful to their calling in a time when there truly was no manual. You know, I mean, it, it's been really, really hard. Um, I did a I did a, a bridge interim about a year ago in a church that you know, David, um, for a few months. And while I was there, the, the virus, you know, fired back up again and we had to make some really hard decisions around, you know, services of worship and mask and all of that. And I was thrown headfirst into something I really hadn't dealt with the last few years, which is the tension around such difficult questions. And I just was reminded again, it is hard providing pastoral leadership these days. And most pastors are doing, I think, just a remarkably good job. And so I hope they can affirm themselves and their call and just be grateful that that we are where we are, even though I know it's been really, really, really hard. Second thing I would say to them is, you know what? It's okay to get outside resourcing. It's okay to get support. I mean, what you've been going through, doggone, it's hard. Um, and, and so I think it's really not a sign of weakness, but a sign of strength and wisdom to say, maybe we're at a place in our journey when some outside thinking might really be helpful for me and for us. And to not see that as some sign of failure, because I do hear some of that language. I guess our church is so broken we had to bring in a consultant. Uh, you know, I don't really look at it that way at all. I think it's much more a matter of wisdom, as I used to say to couples all the time in premarital counseling. You know, it's not a sin to have brokenness or to have pain in your marriage. You know, the, the, the sad thing is if you don't get support for yourself. So, you know, if you find yourself in that place and have the wisdom to bring somebody in to help you, well, gosh, you sure are a smart lady. You're a smart man. I mean, that's kind of how I see it, really. Yeah. Well, thank you for that good word for pastors and uh, and for, you know, this is something you don't always need. We don't always need a consultant in our churches, but I think this episode will be useful for when a pastor is thinking, you know, I wonder if it's time. And let me hear what Dan Holloway has to say about that. So thank you for coming on the pod and helping us kind of get some context around that. You are so, so welcome, and thank you all for the good work you're doing with this pod. I just really appreciate it.
Yeah. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. You can find contact information for Rhonda, for me, for Dan, as well as session notes for this episode. You can also find out more about our approach to consulting and be able to engage with any of the members of our Pinnacle team. You can do that all online at our website, pinlead.com. That's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com. And if you contact Dan, you'll get some of that same wisdom I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, just oozing from him. Isn't that right, David? Just oozing. Oozing. That's the first word I would use. (laughs) 